Welcome to FinTech Family Hour. I am your host, Kristen Anderson. That's right, sitting in primary host seat today, no longer the co-host. Why is that, you ask? Well, today is our 100th episode. That's right, it's hard to believe. And I had a crazy idea that Zach let me run with. So today I'm your host. My co-host is our dear friend, Alex Johnson. And we have a very special guest for a version of Are You Human that is unlike any we've ever done before. Our guest today is Zachary Anderson Pettit. You know him, you love him. It's going to be a great episode. Get to learn about who Zach was as a child, why he commits crimes when he's impatient, and uh, even uh, a few other secrets that maybe his mom doesn't even know. It's a great episode. I think you're really going to enjoy it. As usual, this episode is brought to you by FS Vector, the firm for innovative financial services. And here's Zach. Hello. Hello and welcome to FinTech Family Hour. I am your host, Kristen Anderson, here today with my co-host, the famous Alex Johnson. I am so excited to be leading the conversation today with probably the best guest that I think we've ever had. Uh, (laughs) You may know him. I think Alex is nodding right now. You may know know our guest today. You know him. Alex is like, he's not the best, but you may know him. No, he's the best. I'm excited. (laughs) We are so honored to do the 100th episode of Fintech Family Hour, a special episode of Are You Human? with our very favorite human, Mr. Zachary Anderson Pettit. So, Zach, how are you today? This is so weird. And he's going to so... be out of a job. He's like, oh, my gosh, you can do it. <laughs> he looks super nervous sitting there. He's like, oh, gosh, it looks, you look cornered over there. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm, there's something about it where like I expect I was telling this to Johnny before we got on. I was like, I expect everyone to bring their full self to the Are You Human episodes all the time. And then the, the you know, we switch the, you know, switch the tables around here and it's looking at me and I'm like, I don't think I want to bring my full self to this, but I am. I'm here. I'm ready. You're I ready. ask everyone else to do it. Let's get weird. And I'm okay. so glad it's you two doing it. So let's, okay. let's, so let's go. Alex, Alex and, and Zach and I have, have done some podcasts before. Uh, maybe you've heard them. Maybe you haven't. But we always have a great time. So uh, if it's your first time listening to FinTech Family Hour, Are You Human? You should know is this is not your typical FinTech podcast. Uh, we don't care about the things that everyone else cares about. <laughs> we want to spend most of our time today talking about Zach. And who he is and what makes him interesting and unique. So this is an industry podcast, except that it isn't. So Alex and I have some questions. Zach doesn't know any of them. Even if you've listened to the the show before, we have completely new questions. Oh, uh, I think today is going to be super, super fun. So I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and get us started and uh, we'll see what we can learn about Zach. Are you ready? Let's get weird. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So my first question for you is I want you to tell us a story about a defining moment of your early childhood, something that you can look back on from today and say, oh my gosh, that is definitely something that made me who I am. Hmm. So the the story that comes to mind is my dad and I were out to dinner with uh, one of his friends named Pierre. Um, and I kept calling him by a different name. And my dad was like, why are you calling this man by his name's Pierre? I was like, I don't know, nine, eight, not, not 10 yet. Um, and I just kept calling him something else. I don't remember what the name was, but just kept calling him something else. And my dad just kept at like, why are you doing this? And my answer was, I just can't wait to laugh. 
And my my dad just tells that story like yes. all the time still. You so, are yeah. an insolent pup. That's what we would call that. You are insolent. <laughs> have you uh, oh, have you like mispronounced other people's names or like changed names intentionally to get laughs in the future? I, I haven't listened to all your podcasts. This is a move that you've carried forward. No, I think this was like an end of one, you know, it was like early days, kind of <laughs> feeling it out, see, you know, testing the crowd, seeing what Boundaries. worked, seeing what didn't. Yeah. And I think we've, I think we've discovered that mispronouncing a name is a little hacky, you know, at, like mm. at, at age eight, I was a little hacky. And mm. I think that, you know, the, the, the sense of, sense of humor has to kind of evolve. And I think, uh, I think we've moved beyond that, Alex. Oh, <laughs> Oh man, I was gonna say, have you ever t- heard like toddlers tell jokes? Like you want you want to yeah. hear like bad comedy? Like they're just like because yellow, and you're just I mean they are just like comedic timing is really something that takes some time to develop. So yeah, I, I that eight or nine that feels right that you're sort of starting to put that together. <laughs> testing the I mean, materials, but, testing the material. Exactly. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's just always been. That is my only like explanation to why I'm like obsessed with stand up now. I don't know. I think I was just like kind of sad as a kid, and I was like, oh, laughter makes me not sad. So let's oh let's lean God. into that. Oh well, not sad as a kid. Just like I, I think you develop a sense of humor as a defense mechanism quite mm. often. Mm. Yeah. And I was fat, and I grew up in the hood, so there were like fat white boy in the hood needed to joke his way out of trouble was mm. just a thing. Got it. Yeah, that no, that makes sense. I mean, I uh, I think there's sort of a, a through line in terms of you being willing to make things a little awkward at times, uh, even with, you know, the interviews you do on stage and the podcast. So I can see a little bit of the DNA still kind of carrying forward from that for sure. I'm just mainly like, oh, God, Alex, when, when, what position have I put you in? No, no, no. It's all been good. It's all been good. Um, well, OK, so, Kristen, should we fast forward a little bit to teenage years? Because I have a question. Yeah. Yeah. OK. So, all right, Zach, this uh, Kristen came up with this question. I think it's brilliant. What is the thing that you believed as a teenager that you now know you were 100 percent wrong about? So like what assumption did you have about being an adult or about yourself that now like as an adult you think is just oh my god that was flat out wrong I'm so impressed by our previous guests being able to fucking answer these so quickly like <laughs> that is a hard question Kristen it Anderson is. Okay I didn't do like what credit card do you do you, I really I really put some time into this like, You did I, I like, want I want our shit. guests to know like who you are as a human no cap, as the kids would say. <laughs> I, I think Johnny, that as edit a, that out. Edit, edit that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that stays in, motherfucker. I, um, I, I think the I, I I grew I think I grew up with a very limited sense of what one could accomplish in the world. This is not the answer I think you were hoping for, Kristen. But I think I grew up because of the area and neighborhood where I grew up, like. I grew up with a very limited sense of the world. I grew up with a very limited sense of like, I mean, the only way to be successful for the most part is through sports or entrepreneurship was the only two ways that I saw. And the only reason I knew about the entrepreneurship one is because my mom ran a yoga studio. So Mm -hmm. I think that it's just one of those, like, you know, you grow up in an area where you think the world is as big as your, you know, neighborhood. And then you realize that like, there's, you know, a whole globe out there like i mean i was telling i can't remember if we were recording yet but 
just the fact that I stepped onto the TechCrunch Disrupt stage this week, like I don't think I went to San Francisco for the first time until like four years ago, five years ago, maybe something like that. So I think just like understanding the actual breadth of the world, and that's a terrible answer to that question, but it's really the only thing that I can think of. It, it's really it's really not. And and I'll share actually a similar story being from Reno because I I have felt that exact same thing before. I think I was well... I was way over 18. I was probably closer to 25 than 18 before I realized that. They're two very specific numbers, but okay. 18, <laughs> I was with you, but you just chose 20. You just pulled 25 out well, of your asshole. I was asshole. trying to think about how old I was when I had this realization. I was, okay. I was probably like 24, 25. Like I was like a grown up, te- you know, technically, um, yeah. before I realized that like almost all of the adults that I spent time with when I was a child, other than my parents, were teachers, obviously, were people who had like, chosen to spend their lives with children Mm. and that I hadn't spent time with like large numbers of adults who didn't opt in to spending all their time with children. And so it it took me a long time to realize that for sort of the same reason, which was that like the careers that I knew, like I had one rich friend and her mom was a pharmacist and her dad like owned a grocery store. And like (laughs) that was like what wealth looked like. But like most people were were much more like in more traditional employment, you know, more union, more working class. And I was I was way too old before I was like, wait a minute, all the adults that I had as an example when I was younger were all people who said, I want to spend my life teaching kids, which is a really noble and honorable thing to do. But it is a very like particular personality type. It is a very particular type of person who wants to do that. So I I totally understand that. And I think I mean there's no wrong answer in this, Zach. You know that better than anybody else. There's no wrong answer well, you, in what we're looking for. You guys are like going deep too with like really like philosophical answers. When I saw this question, my first thought was like that stupid thing where you're like in college and you're in a dorm room and you think you have some like revelation about the world. Like I figured it all out. I know exactly how this works. And then as soon as you leave college, you're just like, oh my God, I was such an idiot back then. So you know, I thought you know, you're going to go more in that direction. You know, Alex, I think I know what yours probably was, which is that like, what was it? Um, what was the drink you had? The the white Russian? Or oh, the whatever? chocolate martini. Oh, yeah. The chocolate, chocolate martini of legend. You probably legend. thought those were a good idea. Yeah, you well, thought those like were a good super idea. sophisticated. Yeah, like I had this idea of like drinking where I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be like James Bond and then quickly disabused of that notion. <laughs> well, okay, so I, James Bond like throwing up later, right? Like that's just never part of those <laughs> movies. So that's the problem. you never been in that alley with Daniel Craig? That's just Kristen and I? <laughs> All right, fine. Um, okay, so I got one for you if you want to go that direction. Mr. Johnson, um, which is the idea that I was going to be an entrepreneur quickly or early in life. That is Ah. one that I had. That was one from college. I like, I didn't know. I mean, I just said, I knew what entrepreneurship was. All I knew is my mom went and did a thing and she paid her own bills. Like I didn't, you know, know the French entrepreneur, like that whole fucking shit. Um, but I thought that I would go start a company, but I think the thing that you figure out is like, the more time you spend thinking about starting a company, the more time you spend getting to know people that run companies, the less likely it is that you're going to put yourself through that shit that you're watching them actually do. Right. Like I think like when I was in college, I studied entrepreneurship and wrote a business plan for what is today Edcorns. At no point did I go, you know, yeah, like wildly clairvoyant. I actually can probably still find the paper like it is Edcorns. But what did I not do? execute on any of it or take even the first step, you know? So I think that is a big one is like, 
I, I don't know if I will ever start a company because I've just seen so many friends do it. And I know that it's, I, I think I will. But like, God damn, I watched Kristen go through a lot. You know, say, what? we have like the poster child for this exact. Kristen's not even like <laughs> smiling or moving. She's just like, nah. I'm, I'm sitting behind my microphone right now. You can't tell I'm grinning. Yeah. I'm the audience really doesn't know the, yeah. The microphone, by the way, audience takes up 75% of Kristen's face. So it's, 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 <laughs> she's, she's the Wilson of this. Uh, I don't oh, know if anybody's good, got a Tim the Toolman Taylor reference coming out, but there you go. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think, you know, venture backed is so different. Like it's really hard, but like you're super, super privileged when you're a venture backed founder. I think small business owners in general who actually like have to live off their margins from day one, like, man, those are the real heroes. Like it's it's one of the things that I, uh, and I know this isn't exactly a, a politics podcast, but it's one of the things I struggle with most on liberal and progressive politics is like, I consider myself liberal and progressive, but I feel like there is just this like anger towards business owners that like, I just don't understand because it is, so difficult. It is so important. And like those people sacrifice. I know there's like the like, oh, CEOs make too much money. But like the vast majority of business owners are people who like will go without a paycheck to make sure their employees get paid, you know. And so I uh, it, it's like that, like entrepreneurship and it's like truest form, which is like being a small business owner is I, I think one of the hardest jobs you can do. So I I, I honestly like I'm I'm not going to say I'm glad you didn't go into that, but like I, I'm with you and that like I've seen a lot of people like it is just it is just hard every day. Yeah, Chris, it's like, it's... As your friend, please stay away from entrepreneurship. <laughs> well, as technically, much as you Alex is Alex is the entrepreneur of the three of us right now. You are you are yeah. your own business man. Well, and, and maybe that's the secret <laughs> hey! to starting a business is like not knowing that you're starting a business, you know, just like, you know, yeah. suddenly you wake up one day and you're like kind of running a business and you didn't mean to. So maybe falling backwards into it is the secret. I mean, can we not call yeah. that Kristen's exact fucking experience? I mean, like, I don't know how many people actually know how Kristen got in the CEO seat at Catch, but I mean, I know, I, I know, I mean, know I, story. you don't know this story? <laughs> don't Kristen, you don't know this story? No. Kristen, are you no, down I to tell it? Story. It's pretty crazy. Um, so I was hired at Catch. Um, Andrew, my now partner, the father of my two daughters, um, he found me on AngelList and hired me to be his head of product. Um, there was no you know, product. There Angelus, was no company. Text Tinder. Yeah, yeah right. Seriously. There, there was no company. There, I mean, there, there was a company, but like it was, you know, a few people working on a prototype and and were working on ways to get it to market. So I started as head of product. After a couple months, I was, you know, doing a lot more than that. So I took on the COO title so that I could do mm. more investor conversations and introductions and stuff like that. And then I spent about a year and a half as COO. And it just became really apparent that Andrew didn't want to be the CEO. Like he just, he, he's like, I hate writing investor updates. It's the worst thing I've ever had to do. So we spent like six months where I was writing investor updates and he would send them. And then after oh, point, I didn't know that was, part. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that part. That's funny. <laughs> like I would write them <laughs> and then send them to him and then he would send them out. And at some point he was like, you know, there's only so many times I can make excuses and say that I'm too busy to do it. And it's just that I don't like it and that I don't want to do the job and that the job that I need to be doing and want to be doing is leading our engineering and product team. Teams. Mm. Um, and so I sort of literally fell backwards. The funniest part of the story, of course, which a few people know, is that we made the decision to switch roles. Uh, we thought a lot about it. You know, we we put our, you know, best strategic comms together. We told our team and our team was like, okay, like that's pretty much what's happening anyway. It doesn't affect <laughs> us at all. Like literally no one cared. <laughs> and then we announced it on Twitter. And then our lead investor called me and was like, 
what the fuck? Were you going to give me a heads up? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You didn't tell the lead first? I didn't know that. So we just, we just forgot. It wasn't like an intentional oversight. It was, it was truly just that we forgot. We didn't have a board, right? At that Who's, point, we didn't have a board. Who's the and lead? And so uh, it was at uh, Kosla Ventures. Uh, Moving on. So anyway, the thing is, like, they were super supportive. They're like, look, we we understand. We've seen how this goes. We we know Kristen. We know Andrew. We know where you guys yeah. are. This is a great spot. We're super happy and supportive. But like, maybe give us a heads up before you announce <laughs> it publicly. And that was just one of those moments as a, as a CEO that you're just like, I fucked up. Like, yep. There's yeah. like nothing to say other than like, yes. I hear you. Well, you got to make your first mistake really early, like just get that out of the way immediately, and then move I mean, on. We, we were like, we had raised too, like so six nice. million dollars at that point. We were not that early. Like, we weren't that late. But we weren't that early. Uh, we definitely shouldn't have made that mistake. We should have known better. Uh, anyway, Zach, good try trying to flip the tables on us. Just gonna say, I, yeah, he kind of right. put his interviewer hat back on. There. I know, we're not letting like, you out that easily. Well, I, flip this I didn't know you hadn't heard that story, Alex. And also, I for the know. record. There is a longer version of it that at one point I will get enough drinks into Kristen that she'll share on the record and yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Not on yeah. the record. Oh my God. <laughs> well, no, um, not the not the later portion. What happened before that? Anyway, now we're getting into inside baseball so, shit. <laughs> Go uh, back to where you were going. Oh, now the world knows that story. Zach, this is going to be a really good question. I want you to tell me a story from your childhood oh, that your mom has not heard before. Oh, shit. And first of all, does your mom listen to this podcast? That's a question I had when I saw this question. Oh, um, she will now. Yeah, I was going to say she, she doesn't, but I have a hunch uh, that I will either this need to send make, it to her make its yeah, way. or yeah. that Kristen's going to send it to her. Heck yeah. um, I mean, I would say that my mom is probably... <laughs> okay. Um. There's not a specific story, candidly, that I feel comfortable saying out loud, but I would say that there is a broad set of moments where one of my best friends and I, that he was probably like three years older than me. So he was the one that was like always driving us to school, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we would just we would just walk around the neighborhood, you know, because that's like what people did back in the day. Yeah. And we would we would often find ourselves in some pretty unique situations. Um, one that I remember was we were, uh, this one, this one actually is, is appropriate. Jesus Christ, we've done a lot of inappropriate shit at the age of 12 and 13, apparently, if it's this hard to come up with a fucking answer. Um, we were trying to make our way to a baseball game and it was kind of like Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, not because we were like wildly high or anything, but just because we were like a, it was like a 10 and a 13 year old trying to get to Kauffman Stadium from our houses in Kansas City with like, um, I think I had $2 and he had three and like that was not enough to get it. So we went from walking probably two miles to get to a bus on that bus, I I grew up in an area that was blood dominated. And this is going to mm. get probably weird for people that don't know me and don't know my history and have been listening to this show. And this might surprise some people. So I grew up in an area that was blood dominated. So I would wear mostly red um, mm. as a kid. Not I would wear red or neutral colors, right? Just like I wasn't wearing blue in the neighborhood. And I was, but we were going to a Royals game and like, I don't know. Anyway, so I, I had put on a royal shirt and we were still in blood dominated territory and I had gotten on the bus um, and there was a group of bloods on the bus and 
one, I was wearing blue, um, mm. but two, I was wearing a long sleeve shirt and I, my shirt was, at, or my arm was actually broken at this point. And I had my cast was signed by one of my class members who was part of the Bloods. And he had signed multiple like gang signs on my actual cast. Uh-huh. So it was this really weird situation of like, I, t- I had safety in blood neighborhoods, but I had chosen to wear blue for this one moment because we were going to a Royals game. And I had to basically like go from them all coming up to me and saying, you know, saying the things you say when somebody is not supposed to be in your neighborhood, especially when it's like a little white boy sort of thing or Mm. two little white boys to me basically having because it was like a tight situation, tight shirt. I had to like do a really awkward like mid bus move (sighs) sort of thing to be like, here, look at like this is this is like where I I live on 55th Mm. or sorry, I live on 59th. These are the signs for the 31st Street Bloods. Um, I'm close with the team. Like, I'm on your team. We're going to a Royals game. And I had to, like, talk my way out of that. Um, Actually, that leads me to, like, three other talk my way out of shit stories. But I would say that, yeah, I never told my mom that story. Um, And there's a... How was the game? And you're like, that was the game was great. I don't think we made it to the game. I think it was just like a series of wildly <laughs> stressful situations. We had tickets, but I just, I don't, I think maybe we Didn't like went in. I, yeah. Yeah. I just remember viscerally getting there. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember how we got back or anything, but yeah, there's a lot of that actually. Yeah, as a kid, not, a lot of talking myself. Mom with the details of, yeah, how you no. got out of that situation. <laughs> no, she doesn't need to know that. I, it was one of the, like, I'd prefer my mom not think about the color of shirt that I was wearing as I was walking out the door when she was, you know, dealing with everything she was dealing with in life. Right. So, right. Yeah. Doing other stuff. Well, that's yeah. a good one. That's a good one. All right. So if you're, if you're, um, I guess Zach, Zach's mom, if you're listening, then it all worked out fine. Everything was good. Um, he made it home. <laughs> he made it home. He made it home. He made it home with his friend. And actually that was the last question I wanted to ask you, Zach, in this little sort of take us back to your childhood. And I think I know the answer to this, but just to confirm, wh- were you good at making and keeping friends as a kid? Like what was was that you were you that kind of kid or like was it a little bit more challenging for you? I I definitely was not. So I'm always fascinated by people who are able to to make friends easy. Was that you? You you got to tell me what you thought the answer to the question was going to be after I answer it. Okay. Um, because I'm very curious about what you thought I was going to say. I I think I think I was and am good at getting people on my side and especially making them think we're friends. Um, if we are friends or not, I think that I've developed that as a like survival mechanism. Now, um, literally, and- both both Alex and I are like, wait, is Zach not really our friend? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, all man. the conversations we've had, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the two people that I like specifically asked to be part of this when, well, for the record, this was Kristen's idea. Just this like out my of my idea, this yeah. was not Zach's idea. This was not <laughs> no, an ego right. move. I wanted to do <laughs> an interview for Zach for the hundredth episode. Don't worry, he's he's more humble than that <laughs> but i and i wanted to bring in alex because it was so fun having him involved in that mm-hmm. first one so i hope you both know love you guys and your actual friends um yes. but i mean think about like think about the job of a vc or the job of you know like what my day job like if i actually was friends with all the people i talked to like i don't the one not possible a lot of them are mean um but yeah so anyways i would say as a kid i learned how to make acquaintances really well and i think that i'm probably above average in the ability to make acquaintances 
feel in themselves like we're friends. And I would like to believe it too, because like the world's just a lot more fun that way. Um, but I also was like kind of a smelly kid, kind of a fat kid, kind of a lot of things. Um, so I don't really know. I don't know. I always felt like everyone hated me, but probably that wasn't true. I would have said that I think you gave a more nuanced version of the answer I would have given, which is you were good at making friends or at least, as you said, making acquaintances. You're very outgoing. I would have been surprised if like you were like a super introvert as a as a kid. That would have that would have surprised me, given how you are now. Yeah, not an not an introvert, but like, yeah, yeah. Well, not I. Yeah, I mean, there, there. So I will say, I was not an introvert. I am not an introvert, but I was not very good at making friends. Um, mostly because I like just absolutely don't have patience for people who I feel like are not (laughs) trying or working hard. (laughs) Like, I have very high standards for the people I keep around me, and like have no tolerance for bullshit. And like, even when I was, you know eight, nine, 10 years old. So yeah, it's I, it's not just an introversion, extroversion thing. I think Zach is much better than I am at not sort of like the poker face of dealing with bullshit. I, I have no poker face on that. Well, you're <laughs> also just not- imagining you like at nine years old, just being like a players only and just like kicking people out of <laughs> yeah. your group. That's, those aren't the rules. You're not allowed to be here. Those aren't the rules. Like even like, I'm sure there are stories from my childhood of like, someone I had a crush on that I like pissed off because I like wasn't willing to put up with his bullshit or something like that where I was just like I don't care if I have a crush on you you're doing it wrong so you know move on get out of here yeah yeah <laughs> I feel like that's I, like I feel one like of you you said you were good at making well you said you were good at being the liaison ambassador type right yeah yeah I was like inoffensively popular with people so they like liked <laughs> me and like I could you know talk to lots of people but like I don't know. There's always like those different like levels of friendship, you know, where you have to like, mm, yeah. like we're this kind of friend and then you want to like jump it up to the next level. And I was like, yeah. never good at that at all. And even like now as an adult, you run into that a lot with like little kids, right? Where it's like, yeah. take your kids to school and now you're on like an awkward walk back with their parents and, you know, you're <laughs> like, hey, you know, what do you do? And so it's like, you know, yeah. you go through these like waves of like making new friends, even as an adult. And yeah, it's like, yeah, I go home and my wife is like, yeah, um, I thought they were really cool. We could be friends with them. I'm like, yes, let's make friends with them. And we're like mapping out like <laughs> strategies for like how to be friends with them. So we're we're that kind of uh that kind of person. That's that's what we yeah. do is the very strategic friendship making. Wait, but okay, hold hold on. So I think this is a thing that all of us should talk about a little bit more. So the idea of like friend levels, right? Yeah. Like outside outside of like childhood or whatever, like yeah, I, I think it generally is the same from child. Mine is the same generally from childhood through now, but like Chris and I, so I think it's interesting because there's actually a very distinct relationship that I have with the two of you that developed very differently, right? Where the I met Kristen in Vegas in money 2020, and I think we were, I I was very clear on the fact that we were going to be friends for the long term within like. An hour, ten minutes. Yeah. I, don't I think know. we both just knew that, like, we we went out and had fried food while everyone else yeah. was like, doing money twenty twenty stuff. We just like ate fried appetizers for a couple hours. Yeah, and she was working with uh, the company that I happened to be at at that point, and we had a uh, we had some things that we were able to talk about and bond over. I will say at the moment, um, some drama. Uh, but it, it was, I mean, all of that aside, it, that had nothing to do with it. It was just like immediate and just instant. Yeah. Instant. And we got mm-hmm. straight into like actual shit mm. quickly. Like, I think like we have had actual friend conversations 
faster than you would normally in like a business capacity. Alex, I feel like I've known, I feel like I've like known your brand a lot longer than I've known you, honestly. He's a business no, man. Yeah, he's a business man. I don't know if you picked up on that earlier, Alex, but she put the comma in the right place when she said that earlier. A, I did. I did yeah. notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's weird because I've always, like, to be honest, I've been, in, I'm not anymore because I've actually gotten to know you, but I've been intimidated by your brain for a long time and like intimidated yeah, by your fair. knowledge and not just mine. like, <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I, I was intimidated. I know. I mean, I knew you from Twitter before too. So I wasn't like intimidated by you necessarily. Alex, I think with you, like it's taken like phone calls and yeah. like random, like, Hey, what do you think about this FDIC thing? Like we've literally talked about business enough to getting to the point where I feel like we're friends, but I don't totally know everything about your life. But like, if you ever called me and you needed me to come to Montana and like, uh, use your ax to get you out of a wooden, uh, hole, I don't know why that would be a, like, I, I would do it. You know, I, I mean, I think you would. And like, I, that's an interesting way to like, kind of cut down the friends in your life is like, who would come like at the drop of a hat to come like rescue you mm -hmm. in some situation. Yeah. And it's who funny, would come right? babysit like, your kids. Who, yeah. who would babysit your kids? That's like the who ultimate. Who would come like, like take care of the kids? And you're like, I yeah. need someone to come for two days. Like, that's yeah. right. That's I right. would do that. I don't think either of you should trust me, but I would do that for both of you. <laughs> you no, I mean, it's, it's, it's strange how you have these like, yeah, these different levels. And I feel like the other thing, Zach, with you and I is, I think you and I are kind of the same a little bit in that like, we're the opposite of Kristen maybe and that like, we're more like, can kind of, put up with lots of people and be sort of generically friendly to lots of people. And so <laughs> yep. maybe yep. you and I were sort of having that thing where like, we're each doing that. And like, right. well, actually, I, I actually really like him. I want to be friends with him. But like, yep. you know, I'm not sure like, you know, kind of like that whole dance, whereas like Kristen just like cuts right through it. And like, if you're not going to be friends with Kristen, she'll let you know immediately. I, yeah, it's I the, know. It's the venture it's back great, founder in her. It's not a great quality. <laughs> I got to say, this is not something to aspire to people. I, I, my, you know, my partner and I have talked about, we really hope our daughters don't get that from us. <laughs> yeah, heaven we forbid really they hope be. They're more like you guys in, in that capacity of just like very limited patience for people around them. It is, it is not, it's not an easy quality to, to try and live with. Yeah, but the, um, the dent in the world that is created by people like that, I think, is sometimes different. Like, I think the, the beauty true. of this is the beauty of a lot of this dynamic is that Alex is able because because of your personality, Alex, like your legacy, I think, will be written down right in a big way. And Kristen, I think your legacy will be like felt in a different, you know, it's like your legacy will be in like the air or something in terms of the way that like this works different or that works different. Yeah. And I feel like Alex is going to be like, I don't know, like, you know, uh, Stephen King, but uh, with a lot less problematic issues, you know? Well, okay, okay well. so that was, that was one. <laughs> so, so you touched on something, though, that I think would be really interesting to ask Zach, which is there was something, yeah. I can't remember who said it on Twitter, but they were sort of like trying to sum up all the different types of jobs that there are in the world. Mm -hmm. And they basically broke it down into like these like categories, right? So like one was like, do you like to like think, right? And that was like college professor, newsletter writer i think they lumped like vcs into that a lot of times because like vcs okay. like to like i don't know like come up with theories <laughs> and theses I, I don't know that i believe that necessarily that's might have been a vc who was who was putting this out on twitter but yeah that's, was, that like, sounds right i, I want to think you know um and so that was like one there was one that was like i want to build stuff um yeah. and it was like very sort of focused on like i want to 
I want to measure myself based on like the things that I leave behind and have built. Another one was like relationships and like kind of more of like Mm -hmm. a caretaker sort of mentality. Like I define myself based on the relationships that I've built with other people. And I mean, that's a VC. Let's be real for other people. Well, that's what the VCs you want are right. Not the ones who are putting out thought pieces, but are actually trying to be helpful. Um, But Zach, that's my question for you. Like, broadly across all like the jobs and stuff you've ever had or jobs you want to have, which like archetype do you fit into? Do you want to build stuff? Do you want to spend your time thinking? Do you want to spend your time building relationships? Like what's the, what's the thing you sort of sum everything up as? I think, I think build shit. I think I get really stuck on this idea of, as you guys can maybe tell from the earlier conversation, I am stuck on the imposter syndrome of how much I live in the world of founders and I'm not a founder. Mm. Um, but I, so, I mean, earlier today we were doing a, a very, very detail oriented call about our main stage at money 2020. And it's going to have like, you know, a DJ that's eight feet above over to the left. And it's going to have a commentary box that's eight feet above and over to the right. Right. And you would think that the idea of like a commentary box is something that's pretty straightforward. Like the commentators will commentate between sessions and they will come and they will discuss with the people like on the stage. Ball? Yes, you <laughs> fucking nailed it. Yeah, it yeah. literally. Yeah. ESPN the Ocho. <laughs> exactly. This is that is what it was inspired by. And my job is actually that I get to have these ideas and people are like, oh, that's a thing that we should spend like a million dollars on and let's go do that. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, I just pulled that out of my ass and we are now going to go spend real money on it. And it's going to, like, I actually think be really cool and be dynamic in a way that content hasn't been previously. And like, it's an experiment. It might fall flat. I have no idea. But like, I had this moment Let's earlier. See how, how it works for him, Cotton. Yeah, bold <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Bold, 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 bold choice, Cotton. Um, But I had this moment where I was sitting on that call and they were like asking me questions about how many video cameras should be pointed at the commentator box. And if there should be a multi-cam view, single cam view, like it it was a moment where I was like, holy shit, I actually love building this stuff. And it was Mm -hmm. so like, I think people think of me or I think of me as not very detail oriented, but like in those moments, I'm like obsessive and want every little bit of it to go right. So I, I think it's building Cause I don't know the best, the best I ever feel is when we actually like go and execute and do the thing. Hmm. I think that's where I get my dopamine from at least. That's well, that's, that's the, that's the core question we're asking is where, where does the dopamine come from? Kristen, I'm assuming you're a builder at heart too, right? I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm a, I'm a product manager. I should say builder. Right? <laughs> yeah, you should, yeah, don't say anything else. Don't say anything don't else. Don't say anything else. No, I, so I guess I, um, maybe it's a little bit more nuanced than those, those categories, but it's, I I guess it's building, but what it really is to me is like solving really difficult problems with other mm-hmm. people, yeah. like with other people. It's yeah. like a pretty distinct part of it for me where like, mm-hmm. so I majored in math and that nerd. sounds like a very so- super nerd. <laughs> it sounds super solitary. Like if you don't know anything about like upper division mathematics, like you might be mm-hmm. like, oh, you like sit in a like sad little dark room, which is like kind of what happens at MIT. It's like these like pipes and it's all like dark all the time. And Kristen I, moved back from Boston and subtextually just let us know. <laughs> I know, I know. But, but like it... I feel like the perception of someone who majored in math is like this very like lonely individual who sits over a piece of paper or a computer and like, you yeah. know, like calculates. Lex Friedman. Shit. 
I guess, um, maybe that he's still like quite public, but for me, like I, like the best times I had in college were like, maybe not the best times. Okay. The best academic times I had in college. (laughs) The best best academic, Ah, big caveat, the best academic times I had in college were like, you know, my major was really small math. And so there were like eight of us in the library solving like really, really difficult proofs together, talking about like different problem solving approaches, or like, maybe you could try, you know, this thesis, or maybe you could try, you know, this assumption, or like, what about this proof that like references this thing that happened and like getting to a conclusion together and sort of like being like, ah, we solved this thing, we did it together. Like, that is what I love. And I I feel like Mm -hmm. that is a lot of what my job is, because I actually, I mean, product folks, like, uh, again, a lot of engineers, I'm sure I'll tell you this, designers too, product people are not builders. They don't build. (laughs) They are like, distinctly not builders, right? (laughs) And so... I, I think the sort of like collaborative problem solving. So it's a, it's kind of like thinking, but it's like it's like a um it's a joint thinking. It's like a let's all work together to solve a problem, and like that's what makes me really happy. Yeah, but I mean, who wants to go to the t- fucking top of a mountain alone, right? Like I I've, I've never really understood that idea of like wanting to be a billionaire by yourself. Like I would so much rather be like halfway wealthy with a group of friends, or like you know, yeah, the the human aspect of that feels like the thing that's why this podcast has been so fucking inconsistent for a hundred episodes honestly like now that i have johnny and now that like we're working together him and i by the way johnny is my producer audience uh listeners um and the fact that Kristen, uh, yes correct sorry um <laughs> good point and now that you and i are doing this together like it it has emotion and it has momentum and it has a feeling associated an energy associated with it that like yeah. doing this i mean there was like i think i stopped shipping for like 3 or 4 months last year during and leading up to the show and i think it would actually be like truly depressing to do that now this is like such a outlet because i'm doing it with Kristen and because i get to talk to the people like you alex i mean it's like so different and building it with johnny is like actually really cool Okay, yeah, the, so the team thing, yeah, for sure. This right, this yeah, next no, section is quite related. It, it is it's called "Be Interested and Be Interesting." This is advice I got from my first boss, okay. which is that the way to sort of have a rich life was to be interested in other people and to be interesting yourself. So these are basically random questions that I could have been anywhere else yeah. that I think are really interesting and I really want to know your answer to. All right. So uh, number one, um, do you have a hobby? that you would never mention on a first date. I, I do think that like mentioning gym going on, mm. that it feels douchey and like, too, I don't know that that feels like something that I wouldn't mention more so though. No, I, I don't know. I think I'm pretty much just a open book. I don't think there's anything I would really hide because I'm such a mess that I like, like to lead with that. Like if you if you're gonna stick around, you should know X, Y, and Z immediately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like you gotta lay it on the table. Time. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. There's no <laughs> no reason to hide any of these things. That's a good strategy. I was actually gonna ask you just as a follow up to this one: What is your go to like first date thing? Is it like a classic like dinner movie thing? Do you do like unique ones for each person? Like what's what's the go to strategy there? I mean, I think it, like it depends on the city. It depends on the person oh, entirely. <laughs> <laughs> I like on this network. You're talking about James Bond, right? <laughs> You're aware of my traveling life. Like, what are you talking about? When at the point that I that I was dating, like, you know, this is a thing. Um, 
I think it's a lot about the person. I um, And it's also a lot about me having fun. So if it's a person that like, I don't know, for the most part, it's like we need to have a conversation, right? So if that's drinks, if that's dinner, whatever that is, um, I think there's generally a good, like, I don't know, I try to fit stand-up comedy into as much of that as I can, um, just because that's the thing that I like to go and see. But yeah, it's probably like drink, dinner. I mean, you don't want to have a, you don't want to have a date sober in my experience. Drink that doesn't is, yeah. seem, that's yeah, that's one step one is let's break down those social barriers, you know, and yeah. go ahead and uh, not be our actual selves off the bat. That's the best way to get to know someone. No, one drink. What is it? The Balmer Peak? Two drinks is your like most creative <laughs> self. <laughs> What's the Balmer Peak? Like Steve Balmer? You've never heard of that before? Okay. Okay. Oh, this is going to sound real nerdy coming right now. You guys are talking about dates. The Bulmer Peak is this thing that like, I think it was like an engineer who found that he like wrote his best code after like two beers. <laughs> oh, okay. Someone's going to yeah. someone's gonna have to correct the record, but it's like, it's something about like, a, it was like some scientist or engineer, some like nerdy uh, fellow. Came, but like charting his productivity at the but same like, time. But like lightly so, and was sort Got of like, it. you know, it kind of like peaks at, at two drinks and then it, and then it goes down. Right. But like, yeah. there's like this like nice little sweet spot of being able to be like ultra productive and like creative and efficient and all those sorts of things at, yeah. like, a little bit. I mean, you Just come me, in the podcast yeah. different when after a couple, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Right in the newsletter late at night, you know, a couple beers like really starts to really starts to come out. Um, all right, Zach, next question in be interested and interesting. Um, you referenced this earlier when you talked about kind of growing up and sort of living within a very sort of small world and not sort of being exposed to things outside of it. But what trip most impacted you and the way you see the world? Oh, man. Great question. So, okay. I have a very visceral, I feel like the, all these episodes have been so much funnier. And then you guys ask me questions and I'm like, let me take you to sad places. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the, listeners. So my mom, when she was doing the yoga studio thing, like her and my dad were going through a divorce, all of these like kind of rough things in life, but she always prioritized buying a group on for a trip, generally a cruise, like three years in advance. The woman is a planner to the in a way that I like cannot even begin to describe. It's fucking wild. But she'll come to me like, you know, I'm a kid. I don't know how planes, like, I don't know how any of this works. And she's like, I'm getting us a cruise to uh, like whatever. We did one in Mexico. We did a Hawaii one. Like we would literally do one a year. And her mm -hmm. goal was just that I would see all these different places in a week. Right. And that was, that was it. Just like experience these different cultures and you will be not such a shithead when you grow up was her thought. And I love that. Good it was actually, <laughs> if you're balling on a budget, like it, I think it's actually wildly good parenting. I don't know if I would want to like I feel for her in retrospect about like being on a fucking boat with me for a week at the point when I was like, anyways, it was probably rough on her end, but I think it was really good parenting. One of the trips was to Belize. Um, and one of the things that I remember very viscerally from this was, uh, <laughs> well, we got in water with piranhas. So that was one thing, but Ooh. we were in a, we were on a bus getting from the cruise ship to the place where we were going to get in the water with the piranhas. And you know how this is so fucked up and this is the thing that really stuck with me, but you know how like if you throw a piece of bread into the water and like the all the ducks or all the, you know, fish or whatever it is just come to that piece of bread. This is wildly fucked up, but there were people just like throwing dollars out the window of the bus mm -hmm. as we were driving and you would just see kids mm -hmm. and just people. Yeah. 
sprint and pick up these dollars on the street in a way that like, I mean, I, I think as a kid or as an adult, as a, as a fucking human, it's like hard to forget that experience. Yeah. So I, I think like understanding the value of a dollar to me as a kid, which was still mm-hmm. high. I mean, it's not like I was coming from money, but I, I, I didn't value a singular dollar in the same way that a kid in Belize was sprinting and getting into a fucking fight with somebody else to get that dollar, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just a completely different thing. So that is, that's what comes to mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I often said early in, in my adult life that like travel was the thing that would allow me not to be a really annoying person. Yeah. Um, which I maybe still am, but like, I, I think it, it is the thing that like gives you a shot at like seeing something beyond, you know, your own privilege and sort of, you know, two inches in front of your face sort of thing. Yeah. 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 How much did, I mean, I feel like all of us have come from kind of random places that probably didn't involve a ton of travel as a kid. Alex, was that true for you too? Yeah, I didn't I didn't get on a plane for like the first, I don't know, 15 years of my life or something. Like we didn't really mm-hmm. travel and when we did, we'd get in a car and like Montana's yeah. huge, so you can't right. really like you drive for a day and you're still in Montana. So we I didn't really see yeah. like a whole bunch <laughs> of the world. Um, but I, I remember going to New York for the first time and this was like as a as a teenager, I was like 16 or something. And like when we got there, you know, you sort of get like just dumped right out in the middle of like Manhattan. So you're just sort of yeah. like walking around and it's just like, oh my God, you know, because it's like there's so many people and just like interactions and noises and things happening that it was like, I felt like my brain like getting rewired a little bit in that moment. You know what I mean? Because it's mm-hmm. like you're in such a different environment. You know, it's like taking a fish out of a bowl and tossing it into the ocean. It's just like, something's going to happen to the fish and it might be good or it might be bad. But like <laughs> that, that's been my experience traveling is I was pretty sheltered growing up. And then those first couple experiences, you're like, wow, this is, this is crazy. And we, my dad was always a big one for, um, always go on a walk wherever you go. So like if yeah. you go to New York or Boston or LA or Tulsa, Oklahoma or whatever, like leave your hotel and like go walk to a restaurant or go walk yep. in some direction. And you really like learn more about the city and, that was not always like the safest choice that we were making. I have some sort of like near misses in my past where we sort of walked into the wrong neighborhoods, but that was always really educational too. Cause like you get, you get to pick up stuff that you wouldn't see just like in a cab or whatever. Do you still appreciate it that much? Like do you, cause for me, I simultaneously still appreciate it, but I've also weirdly gotten like I'm much, I used to be like nervous going to the airport even of like, Oh my God, I got to be on time. Like it's to the point now where I'm like nervous that I'm not nervous enough. I'm like, I probably forgot something, but I'll be back to New York in a week. So fuck it or something. It doesn't make any sense. It's still really heavy, but it's not at all. I don't know. How does it feel to you guys to travel now? Kristen, how's it feel to you? Cause you, you travel a lot. Well, I feel like there are a couple things that happened. One, the pandemic. Yeah. Then I got pregnant. Yeah. Then I had a baby. And then then one leads again. to two. Yeah. Then I had another baby. So the last three <laughs> years, I feel like have been a very weird time to answer that question. I traveled a lot before the pandemic. And I was kind of where Zach is. But like, you know, fa- fairly unattached. Like you don't have kids that you're oh, right. like, oh, I desperately need to get home by this time or whatever. Yeah. Um, and like, I, 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 I always told people I didn't like traveling, but I liked being other places. <laughs> mm. like i don't like being on an airplane i don't like the airport but i like being in other not? places 
So not not really. I Maybe they got airport. a little wealthier. Like I was I was like a startup so founder. I had no money, so I was like paying the cheapest. Yeah. Like <laughs> I was flying a con. Like I was not doing any lounges or anything like that. Um, but then like having kids, I feel like it's a it's this weird dichotomy where and they're little kids. On the one hand, I like desperately want to travel oh <laughs> yeah you're gonna sleep so i can get so like good. eight yeah. hours of sleep yeah <laughs> so i can get a little bit of sleep and at the same time i'm like desperate to get home as soon as i can get home in a way that like i used to always just like take whichever flight was like most convenient and i, I told myself i was not gonna take red eyes again from the west coast and <laughs> like now that i have kids i'm like I don't know, whatever it takes to get me back. Like, you know, I don't want right. to, I don't want to lose a whole day. And if I get home at seven or 8 PM, I've missed it and they're in bed already. Right. So it, it just, I don't know. I feel like I don't like have an opinion yet, but we're going to find out because I'm traveling like four or five times in the next like three months. So mm-hmm. it's going to be like an interesting, an interesting retest for me. Did you guys ever do the thing where um, they are overbooking the flight and they offer to keep you there and give you like a voucher for later. I never, ever, even when I had total no. flexibility and could have done it, I was like, fuck you. No. I'm not, I'm not taking that. Yeah. Like, it'd have to be like $5,000 for me to, yeah, yes. exactly. Like I just, I, I was never that guy ever. No. What about you, Zach? Have you ever taken the, like the voucher in a hotel room? I came real close, probably like a month and a half ago. Whoa. It was, it was like being at Sotheby's. Like I was like at the, you know, <laughs> I was like, I was, I was standing like waiting to get on the flight. And like, she was, she was like, and we're still looking for one to two volunteers to take the, you know, whatever. And she was like, yeah. as of right now, it's at $1,200. And I was like, hmm, fucking, hmm, I haven't been home in a week, but I'd like $1,200. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't dislike. And then she did it again in like two minutes and was like, it's now at $1,300. I was like, if this motherfucker gets to 15, I'm struck. I'm like, I got my paddle. Going, like, yeah. we're, I'm going, like, we're in. I'm, I'm in on 1500 In on 1500 I can go the next day. It's fine. Um, oh, but I man. almost feel like there was like that other person at Sotheby's next to me that knew that I had my paddle ready at 15 like looking at you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like saw it in my eyes and yeah, struck yeah. it for struck at 14. And I was like, mother just, <laughs> and, then you're mad. So, and then you're mad afterwards. You're just like, I was literally I'm upset. Now I have to go I was, home. <laughs> I got on the plane and I was like, I shouldn't be here. This is terrible. <laughs> did, did you know, I almost always do like reservations for, for, you know, dinner and brunch and stuff at 15s and 45s. Because everyone goes on the hour, half hour, and it like bugs the shit out of me when you're like trying to get in and there's like eight parties in front of you and like whatever. So I like, I always do like 6.15 instead of 6 or 6.30. Cause uh-huh. I, yeah. So I would be that person who would be like, someone else is waiting for 1500 because it's an even round number. So yep. I'm going to go with the non round number. I knew I it was somebody with 14. a brain like yours. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. All right. Hard pivot. Hard pivot. Hard pivot. Actually, it's, hold on. It's 51. Can I pee really fast? Because I'm finding yeah. myself trying to talk quickly because I start and need to urinate. Okay. Be take right a break. Now let's take a moment to talk about our exclusive sponsor, FS Vector. Relationships, relationships, one more time relationships. One of the hardest parts of building a meaningful company in the world of finance is understanding what's actually happening in Washington with agencies, the administration, everything going on on Capitol Hill. Who do you actually go to for what in the world of government in general? It is just confusing. We may want to think we're disconnected from the world of politics, building companies. But if we've seen anything this year, it's that we're not. 
We are very tied to it. The ability to pick up the phone and get an opinion from a decision maker in this world, in the world of politics, is worth its weight in gold. Those aren't calls just anyone can make. This is why I recommend FS Vector. Those are the relationships they have. They have partners and senior advisors that have been cultivating those relationships for decades. Some of them have even been on the show. You may know John Betchia. You may know Amy Friend. You may know folks like that. They've been around. They've started building those relationships before they needed them, which is exactly what I recommend anyone do with their government affairs slash policy strategy. Don't wait until it's too late. Get advisors, good ones even, good ones especially, only good ones, and the good ones are at FS Vector. Reach out to FS Vector, go into that contact us, and write in all caps at the top of the form, Zach sent me. FSVector.com and tell him Zach sent you. All right, this is going to be a fun question. Oh, God. This is the best question ever. The best question ever. I know. It was so good. I I was feeling inspired. If any single animal, one animal, could start talking to only you tomorrow, what animal would you most want to have a conversation with? Like, am I choosing like a lion or lions? A lion. A lion. Okay. Like the lion at the Central Park Zoo. They don't have a lion, but they have a bear. They did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a grizzly bear. Who's seen some stuff. Yeah, right. One percent. I feel like my answer is Mike Tyson's tiger. Oh, that answer is even better than I thought it was going to be. That is such a good answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that tiger's seen some shit, right? Yeah. Eating some shit. And eating some shit. That tiger is probably like has an ear for dinner. <laughs> like uh, you know, I don't know. There seems like that would. That's where my head goes. That's like yes. Yeah, what would you, what would you what would you ask? Tell me about that. You know, what's it like to be Mike Tyson's tiger? It would be nice. I don't think it'd be that nice. It might just be like, fuck you, roar. Like, (laughs) I think Mike Tyson's tiger is just like, it's probably just like the antithesis of Mike to balance him out, you know? And so like a high pitched voice. He's probably just like a, you know, just a little, <laughs> got a little lift, but he's doing like a little, yeah. little tiger stuff. I don't think that was a great Mike Tyson impression by any means. That was a um, great Mike Tyson tiger impression, though. Yeah, great Mike Tyson tiger impression. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. That's that's where my head goes. Also, I feel like there was like one penguin in those like penguin movies where they would do penguin stuff. I, I would just pick any of those penguins. I'm happy to talk to any of them. I'd be fascinated to hear a ping, penguin point of view. Um, mm. I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's that or like Gerald Ford's dog. I don't know. That one's a total joke. What? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, Ob- like Obama's dogs so or something, you know, say Bobama, like Bobama. Okay, there, yeah, there you go. So we went same direction Obama eventually. Would probably be a good, a good conversation. Right. Especially because he'd probably be like very smart. But yeah, I, mean, I want like Obama's dog. Bobama would just like not reveal any secrets. Like, sorry, that's classified. Like you could ask any question you oh. wanted, but you just get that's classified over and over again. Uh, that's a good point. Or just take them a long time to answer the questions. Just like, well, you know, just like the Obama yeah, cadence, yeah, yeah. you know, just it's dragging just, it out. <laughs> professorial. Like we, we only yeah. have a day here. Let's pick up the face. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Alex, Alex, who you got? I got, I got Obama. Oh, that's a good one. Um, you know, I, I want to say my dog, but I also don't want to <laughs> say my dog. You know what I mean? Like, do, do you guys oh my God, that was the most conceited answer you've ever get? That was the no. most like 
that was the most conceited you've ever been. And that says a lot about you because that was not conceited at all. That was not conceited at all. It was just really funny. I just like, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be interesting to think, see what your pet thinks of you? I'm like, not really. I think it would be so boring. You think it'd be boring? I think it'd be boring. Kristen's like, she already knows she farts a lot. She doesn't need her dog to tell her that. My cats are just like, not going to be that interesting. I don't know. They're just going to be like, you should, they're going to be like, you should feed us more. Or would they complain? Yeah, they probably would complain a lot. Yeah, that's cool. true. That's true. Yeah, I probably have to think of like a celebrity pet instead. Yeah, like Kim Jong Un's parakeet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kim Some Kardashian's kind of... snake. I don't know. Yeah. Like... or maybe Kim Jong Un and Kim Kardashian both have snakes or parakeets, and maybe they should yeah. be talking. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I like this. Yeah, yeah. I'm sticking with Mike Tyson's tiger. I think. I think, I think that's. that's... A good... I think your first instinct was right on that. I think that's a Great good call. one. Yeah. Yeah. Very very good call. All right, Kristen, are we ready for... Uh, I think we're press? ready. All right, this is like the best segment ever. This was my favorite when I came on. It's time for Are You Frugal? Question number one. Zach, are you ready? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So um, we've established kind of based on your childhood that you've sort of worked your way to a point where you don't maybe have to be incredibly frugal or at least as frugal as maybe uh, you and your family were when you were growing up. But, uh, you know, frugality hits people in different ways. And I guess my question to start with is, what's one thing that you refuse to spend money on that probably doesn't make sense given how much money you make? I don't know if I'm that person at all. I literally don't know if there's a single thing that I'm not willing to spend money on. (laughs) So you've gone like the other way. Like that's how frugality growing up hits you is there's nothing. Yeah, I mean, I'm... The people that like grow up with nothing and then make any amount of money and are able to be responsible about it blow my mind. Like what is like the idea of hood rich is not that like it's you grow up with nothing, you get something and then you buy sneakers like and that is if you see my closet, that is what happened. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think I don't know. I'm thinking about like, all right. So, I mean, all airport water. I am a fucking thief much more than I bet people would ever guess. This is like the one thing, like ethically, I have no issue with it. I will just sometimes if there is a long line at the place with the self-checkout thing and I have a $8 Dasani in my hand and I look around and just no one's paying, I will just sometimes just walk out. Nice. That's, a, that's incredibly frugal. That's like the most that's, frugal. No, I it's just crime. called theft. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Super frugality. Yeah. But, okay, but that is that is a good one, though, because I I am the exact opposite on that item, which is that I know they charge too much money. I know it's such a ripoff and I should just bring my own water bottle. But I am such a like neurotic hydrator that mm-hmm. like I can't like I will pay any amount of money for water like this is like when I go to Europe I literally have like a water budget I'm like they're gonna oh charge me six dollars <laughs> for water at the restaurant and I just need to be ready for it and it's gonna mm-hmm. piss me off but I need water so badly like I like desperately need to make sure that I'm hydrated and so like I will pay for water anywhere anytime so that's a good one because I feel like like that's one that people would be like okay Zach just buy some water it's not a big deal and if you're just like not a well, but it's not like, a water it's, buyer. It's low it's location <laughs> specific because if I'm in right. Europe, right. like I would pay a hundred and twenty dollars to have I I literally I, I don't know if I pay 120. I actually think in my I mean this price sensitivity wise, I would spend up to thirty dollars for a good cold brew with actual fucking ice in it 
and a straw that could kill a turtle. Like I would pay that. <laughs> I, I would pay for that in Europe. I would pay 30 to $50 for that every morning because it's that hard to find halfway decent coffee over there. And okay. hard to find ice. It, it is not that hard to find coffee. It is hard to cold, find cold brew. Cold brew. That's yes. And different. I am a bougie bitch and it's much, much <laughs> less acidic. So I like it a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the contextual sort of are you frugal thing? Cause that, mm. the, the airport stuff pisses me off. Like I'll, I'll just be like, yeah. no, this is just not, I'm, I'll just walk away. Like I can't. I and can't that's do logical, that. but I, well, I will buy water. There's a lot of other stuff I like won't buy, but like water is something that I just like, I get. I don't know. Maybe especially since being pregnant, because you like you have right, to hydrate. You, to you hydrate. drink so much water that I That's feel like right. I'm like I will have water anywhere, anytime. Don't <laughs> no forget the cost. we. Yeah. Don't forget you and I both end up in the same place. It's just I stole it. You paid for it. It's not that I'm not <laughs> hydrating. It's I just that like asked you tell us about what like minor <laughs> crime you committed in the last thirty days. But maybe that would be a good question. <laughs> it's the only thing I could think of in terms of my frugality is that occasionally I steal from an airport because I get frustrated by the length of a line. I feel it's like, like that's not frugality though because you still get the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I'm not saying that I'm like I'm not letting just, anything. I'm dude, not like, not having something. I'm JFK still having it. Security is gonna. <laughs> <laughs> cuff you next time you land in New York. <laughs> I mean, it's like once a quarter, you know, it's just like, it's, you know, it's not, it's not that regular. Um, I did not think we were going into petty crime. I really didn't, but that was a, that was didn't, a I mean, <laughs> No, I really didn't. Uh, that are, was not where I thought that question was going to go. I don't frugal? know where I thought. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah I still should. Okay, that's not frugal. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not kidding about water in You're the airport. You're not kidding. You definitely do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I 100, 100% do. 100%. Not often. Okay. Now, like, my CEO is going to be listening to this for Money 2020, and she's going to be like, okay, Zach, like, you can just expense the water. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a big deal, yeah. You're like, that's not the okay. point. Well, exactly, that's not the point. I got the, the other side of the coin, uh, which is, like, is there any luxury item that you're currently saving up for? Like, not like a house or a car, but, like, Something kind of frivolous that you're currently like saving for. Yes, I really want. Um, I really want a nice winter jacket. That is the mm. oldest person thing I've ever said. Um, like a Canada goose. I want a Montclair jacket so bad, Ooh. so bad. So and you're it's saving one the, for it right now. It. I'm. Yeah, I mean, I don't have like a digit, whatever the fuck, sure. you know. I don't, I don't have, sure. but like mentally anymore, right? Exactly, sixty percent of the way to your goal. Yeah, yeah. who's who's why nabbing anymore? Come on now. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'd say I'm like mentally saving for it, uh, and I also I I like watches, and I have still not really bought myself a nice one at any point, and I would like to do that eventually. That's not like a soon thing, yeah. but I would like mm. that at some point. But yeah, I mean, Montclair winter jacket is definitely the probably the the top thing on that list so i'm not, not i'm not familiar frivolous. with the like luxury jacket market how much is one of these bad boys you know i mean they get they get up there depending on what it is you know they get spendy um spendy. I, think, I don't know i don't actually know how much they are i know the canada goose ones are like 1200 right yeah this is about i mean this is like a nice canada a nice montclair is anywhere from like 12 to 3 that sounds amazing oh. Now I want one. Too. They're crazy. I, I mean, it's like it's we found, it's like we got the Alex's only, next item. I really they're know. really now cool. I want one. 
it's the only like winter wear fashion brand that I have ever found that I really like. Like Pharrell does some design for them. Um, a guy that I like a lot named Soleil Bumberry that has done work with Crocs and a whole bunch of others. He's a mm. wonderful designer. He works with them. I mostly like their collaboration stuff. Anyways, this is a slippery slope into my fashion sense. Um, but jacket, going with jacket. Okay. Oh, and car. Right. I sold my car. I don't know if I told you guys that, but I yeah. sold my car, so I need to buy yeah, a new car. You, you weren't willing to like renew the registration. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You're super yeah. not frugal. Now, it's funny, right? This is like a theme we're picking up on, which is it's not so much a money thing. It's like, if I have to stand in this line, if I have to go down uh-huh. and like register this, like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to get rid of my car. I'm going to steal this water. So that's like the, the convenience <laughs> thing for you. That's what it seems like. <laughs> Zach will pay any amount of money as long as you make it convenient. But if it's inconvenient, he will just not do it. No matter what, it's, no matter what the social consequences are. It's literally what the boomers have been saying about millennials since we like became oh, adults. It's so true. <laughs> it's like the most millennial thing that's ever happened. <laughs> if they don't get what they want immediately, they just steal your water. <laughs> yeah. Instant satisfaction. That's that's the only thing for Zach. Okay. That um that makes so much sense. All right. So <laughs> does this, it? This, uh, well, no, not really. No. Um, All right, cool. No, just I mean it, it it's logically consistent. It doesn't make any sense, but it's at least consistent. Um there you go. all right. <laughs> Next question, and this is important because you already confirmed uh, earlier in the podcast that Chris and I are your real friends. So yes, this is true. Yes. Are you a big gift giver for like friends and family's birthdays? Do you splurge on other people? Where is where is gift giving uh, in the sort of ranking of all of your different love languages? I'm probably so I would say that I'm wildly inconsistent with it. But if I care, you know. Right. Like it's one of the like it's I'm and I and the people I care about, I'm not consistent with even as an example, my best friend uh, got married and I know that, you know, wedding gifts are a thing that one like does. Right. I didn't know what the fuck to get for them. I was going through a breakup. It was like all of these things at once. And I just had no idea what to do. So I like absolutely fucked up in that I didn't like bring them a gift to the wedding. And but I was the best man, one of two best men for the wedding. And I did not get them a gift like that's fucking crazy. Right. But three, four weeks later, I was struck by the fact that like not struck by guilt or anything, but just like I had this moment where I was like, oh, shit, John Mulaney's coming to town. Eric and Janine, the two people I'm talking about, love John Mulaney. I should spend entirely too much money on some tickets really close to the stage for us to be able to go and experience John Mulaney as he's coming out of, you know, uh, (laughs) his experience in life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd say that it's like random and it just strikes me in moments. And then I spend, uh, especially if it's experience based and uh, if you can't tell that I'm obsessed with comedy yet, there you go. Um, but especially if it's stand up based, like I will spend entirely too much money to take friends and have those experiences. Like just went and saw yeah. uh, Dave Chappelle's birthday at Madison Square Garden. That was not cheap, um, <laughs> yeah. but that was w- worth it. And for the person I took, I think worth it, too. Yeah, I, uh, I I totally get that. I feel like I'm a kind of random gift giver, too. I'm not great with birthdays and holidays, hmm. but if I'm like thinking about someone, I'll like spend a lot of money on them on something that I'm like, this is like the right thing in this moment 
for you like i was yeah, at cabela's the moment yeah yeah i was at cabela's uh my this is so fucking random but my climbing gem is right next do you know you guys know what cabela's is yeah, yeah, a very yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, right. from, I'm from reno yeah okay I'm there we go Montana, like we know we know cabela's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah okay go, go. same page amongst the whites um so the I was at Cabela's right next to the climbing gym and I walk in and there was like a wildly nice, like small hatchet. And I had oh, this moment. My language now, man. Yeah, I, I almost bought it for you, Alex. And I didn't because it was like, I think, three hundred and fifty dollars for well, a very small yeah. like Gerber <laughs> hatchet that I was like, I don't even know what you use this for. But I feel like he could just like give it to one of his kids or something like I almost bought that for you. I didn't. <laughs> um, and I'm, you know, I'm now taking credit for it by saying it and not doing the thing. Um, but those like those. Ones. Those are the kinds of things that come to mind for me. But like that, I would probably every year forget your birthday. I'd pay for like a uh, like I'd spend that much on dinner for us. I'd spend that much on like a romantic moment for you yeah. and I. I would spend that much on a, a car oh. ride to get a gondola ride in Vegas. Like I, I just I didn't. For. I just didn't think that a small hatchet like quite <laughs> reached the level that we should go that direction. But point being, um, I think that I'm why I think that I'm thoughtful whilst being wildly inconsistent. And I think that aligns pretty much with my personality uh, across the board and just happens to manifest <laughs> in gift giving. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I do the same thing where I often like think about something and I'm like, that's so nice that I like thought about that. And it's not that I'm like opposed to spending it. It's just that like my execution sometimes falls short, even though I'm like, oh, I would totally get that for this person. And then like, isn't that a nice thing? And they would really enjoy it. And then like my execution and then you're like, is bye. like 50-50. Yeah. 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 yeah, no, I'm I'm the same. I think we three are the same on this. If my wife wasn't in the equation, then my kids would like have very inconsistent birthdays because I'm like, oh, oh this no, would be great, I'm the wife. I'm not your I, wife, but I'm a wife. I gotta like take well, care does, of kids. Does does Andrew uh, sort of have more of a consistent gift giving no. philosophy, or are you both kind of inconsistent? No, no. That We're household's fucked, Alex. That household's <laughs> fucked. I know. <laughs> Oh no! Send me, send me Wait. your kids' birthdays. We'll we'll make sure they okay. get some presents. So can I can I ask a follow up on the present thing? Do you are you guys were you uh, thank you note writers as kids? Were you forced to be? Do you write thank you notes now? I was not a thank you note writer. My parents did not raise me to be a thank you note writer, even though I think it's a very lovely thing to do. And then yeah. again, uh, on the theme of marrying well, I married someone who is a, a religious thank you note writer. And everyone who gets us anything at all gets a wonderfully handwritten thank you note in the Aww. mail. So now I get to be one by extension, but I was not I was not that way with growing up. That a boy. I, I'm a very strategic thank you note writer. Um, it's not always on purpose, but like, I feel like I just like have an intuition for like when it will really make a difference, like people's parents or grandparents. Mm-hmm. Grandparents like, eat that stuff up. Yeah. So we, we have some friends in New York who have parents on the Jersey shore and they have a daughter the same age as, as our older one. And so like we stayed at their parents' house on the Jersey shore and like I sent, you know, Nana and Papa, thank you note with a picture of their granddaughter with my daughter. And like, I just like know the right people to do it with. I like, I'm willing to put in the time. I like don't mind writing thank you notes, but I feel like I would like never write you guys a thank you note. Like never, ever. Because it's just like not, not strategically going to get me anywhere. But like there are people who I know will just like extra appreciate it. And like they, it will like ingrain me in their like lives forever. Like when the first time I met Andrew's family, I like went to Thanksgiving at like his cousin's house and I like sent the cousin a thank you note. And so like the whole family heard about how I sent a thank you note. So you just got to find those like right moments. 
<laughs> Notice how everything Christian just said came from the goodness of her heart. Notice how every bit of that was just like about, you know, putting goodness in the world. None of it was about moving forward or um, in any way climbing a corporate ladder or developing relationships that one could eventually harvest. It was all just, it was all just, you know, I'm not apologetic about being ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> ambitious in my personal life, too. Like, it's not you. It's like it's you. You guys won't appreciate it. It's like the who's gonna appreciate? It? Who's gonna? <laughs> no, it's really true. I'm, there's I wish people. I could say, yeah, you're wrong, but I I wouldn't really. I probably yeah. You don't really, it. and yeah. that's, fine. that's I, fine. I'm not a big appreciator of thank you notes either. I'm like, oh, that's nice, but like again, I wouldn't want you to waste your time on me either. I I appreciate that. Yeah, efficiency. Yeah. Yeah, that's my gift to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. No, <laughs> you're welcome. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, now I can thank you for the lack of thank you notes, and Zach, thank you for Wait. the lack of a hatchet, and uh, we're good. We're I good to go. think, Alex, I think you can check the record. I hmm. think I sent you a thank you note email after your Money 2020 dinner last year. Oh, wait, does an email did. count? Hold on, time out, time mm. out. I think Play, I flag, did. flag on the field is an email a thank you note. If it's just for the purpose of saying thank you, I think so. Okay, that's a thank you. There's no other purpose of just saying like, hey, really wanted to thank you. That was a great group you put together, like really enjoyed the meal. I don't know. No other purpose. I'm not asking you for anything. I think that's a thank you. Well, I think I'm like, you don't always have people's addresses. So if I have your email, but I don't have your address, it's easier for me to send you a thank you email than like, hey, what's your address? I'm going to send you something. Oh, stop shaking your head. You don't do either. No, I don't do either. But I also am not going to send an email thank you and be like, I sent them a thank you note. I would be like, I emailed them. Thank. I don't. Those are two different things. It requires putting something in the mail and having mm. someone underpaid walk from house to house and under and deliver it whilst developing plantar fasciitis. I don't think if you do neither <laughs> that you get to say anything about it. And I'm not no, like saying I deserve it. I have a podcast. That's the whole point. Like, I'm saying like the question was asked of if I send thank you notes and I just realized I may have actually sent one to Alex literally just for, for hosting such a it nice was a very year. It was a very nice email. I I, I don't know yeah. if I think it quite counts as a thank you note, but it was a lovely Damn. note <laughs> that I got from Kristen after It was a after note that, that said thank you, but it was not a thank you note? Is I, that I, what I, you're I, saying? Correct. to come down on Zach's side. Yeah, it's not a thank correct. you note. Like, I want to see some calligraphy. I, yeah. I can use like a picture of our kids playing Coming together even from- though such a picture Men doesn't exist, like who literally don't even do it. Oh, yeah. did it together, Kristen. It's not <laughs> e- a thank you email, isn't a thank you note. What are you yeah, we, doing we over here? Standards okay. for the thing that we don't do. All right, um, all okay. right. We're moving into the last section here. <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. Before we move on, can we get a ruling on is Zach frugal? It's a no, right? Oh, God. It's an incredible no. <laughs> Zach is an incredible person in all of the different ways, but like the are you frugal is a big ass no for Zach. Okay. I just just wanted to get that on the record. It's obviously a no. Okay. All right. We're moving on. I don't think any of us like respect Zach less for that. I think I think being frugal is not something that like changes my opinion of you as a human. It's just I, a I, I respect you more for that that jacket you want. Like I'm yeah. I'm in on that. So I'm I'm I I came out with more respect. All right. Well, and we well, talked about this with Sasha too. Sometimes the ability to say like I have earned the ability to spend money on the things that I want and I've built the lifestyle that I want and I work really hard to do those things. Like that's totally totally respectable. So absolutely, yeah. No judgment here, but this this actually is a good segue. Our next and final section is called people. It's always right. people. What one trait do you look for in your friends that you think other people undervalue? I think a sense of humor. I think if a person's not funny, I truly can't be friends with them. Oh, 
That's a little sad, but I, I, that is kind of the point of the question is hard choices. I mean, it's just like, I don't, I mean, it's not even if they're not funny. It's that if they, so I had a conversation with somebody in the fintech space once that literally told me that they strongly disliked comedy. Mm. And I was like, how do you live? Like to me, so much of life is like, how do you make someone else's day? Right. Like, how do you mm. bring yeah. joy for others? Cause like, if you're just experiencing the joy yourself, what's the fucking point of any of it? Right. And the la- like, what is there other than laughter that like is appropriate to do in public that brings joy? Right. Like, with all of the other things are either <laughs> inappropriate. <Lauren> anyone? <laughs> yeah. Like, it, yeah. There's a, oh, a slippery slope there. Um, but it's the only thing that I, and it, I also think it's a universal thing. Right. I mean, there's a reason that like the ending to Monsters Inc. is the ending to Monsters Inc. I know that's a really random pivot. Do you guys remember the oh, ending to Monsters Inc.? Yeah. We, we, we have kids. We have young kids. Of course, okay. we remember the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a <laughs> yeah. reason that that is that. Times. Oh, yeah, I saw it recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I saw it like last week. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like so, a laughter thing. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. I think, and that's like the what else makes the world go around. I mean, I, and I think it's why I get so frustrated with some moments on stage like it it's why these podcasts are so fun it's like especially in europe the audience is fucking terrible in fintech and in mm-hmm. finance and in tech like just dead inside you know they like take mm-hmm. themselves very seriously they take yeah. themselves so seriously yeah. and even in the u.s that's really true sometimes and it's just like they're not the, us not us and the bar <laughs> that gets people to actually remember the shit that you want them to remember you either need to make them cry or make them laugh and you don't want to make them cry most of the time. So why not make them laugh? Yeah. You know, one of my very favorite writers is Matt Iglesias. I think he's just like very smart and very savvy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he did a podcast not that long ago that I thought was awesome. Zach, we've talked about it before. It was called Bad Takes. They'd like take a yeah. take from Twitter and talk about how bad it was. It was <laughs> great. Except in one of them, he talked about how much he didn't like comedy. And I was like, oh, so... No. Upset. I truly, I was, and I don't, I don't think I was as much into comedy as you are. He was just, it wasn't even so much a reasoning. It was sort of like a side note where he's just like, I think it was something about a, like a Chappelle take or something, like something about the whole thing. And like, he's, he's a pretty moderate guy, which is why I like appreciate his opinion so much. But, you know, he, he was saying something. He's like, well, you know, stand up comedy just isn't my thing. And like comedy just isn't my thing. And I remember just being like, Mm, what does that mean? There's so many different types of comedy. There's so many different like ways that you can enjoy comedy. Anyway, so I, I, I don't think that I'm as, as comedy fanatic as you are, but I think that, uh, that does resonate with me more than I, more than I would have imagined a year ago. Yeah. The the like liking to laugh thing, I think is for me the thing mm. where like if you find someone who like doesn't enjoy laughing, do you ever run into people like that where like Oh yeah, they, I'm like, German. They're, they're, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the people that I come from, they're not, not big on laughing. Like it's yeah, really off putting, yeah. you know, and you're right, Zach. Like when you're talking to an audience and you're just getting like no reaction from them at yeah. all. Um, my mom is a public school teacher and she always said her least favorite classes were the ones where like she'd be doing the thing where she's like, is this thing on? Like, can you hear me? Cause yeah. you're not like laughing at any of her jokes <laughs> or doing anything. Like Aww. it's a bummer, you know, if, if people don't have that characteristic, which actually leads me to the question I wanted to ask you, which is kind of the, the reverse and, and, Try to pick something other than just the opposite of what you look okay. for that's undervalued. <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve in other mm-hmm. people? And mm-hmm. like, what's Whoa. a pet peeve in particular? And this is why like pet peeve is a good way of asking this, that like most people wouldn't think is a big deal, but drives you just like 
up a tree. Oh, I've got a fucking wildly specific one for you right now Excellent. based on Excellent. the fact that we're four weeks out from money 2020. <laughs> yeah. People that, people that need too much information for an opportunity. Like if you were given a fucking opportunity, the door opens, step through the goddamn door. Like it's not that fucking hard. Like I opened the door for you on the other side of the door is huge amounts of opportunity. You need to know if it's at 11 a.m. on Tuesday or 9 a.m. on shut the fuck up. Book your flight to be there through the whole show. And Are shut you the talking fuck up. about me right now? No, I love you to death. I'm not talking about you. Well, I, really I mean, Zach yesterday to ask him a question about the money. No, you all you were you were you were asking how much of the show should I be there for? Right. You, and you also yeah. are in a position where like, and Alex, you're the same. Like I've yeah. called you, I call you and I'm like, Hey, I would love to have you on this like banking, you know, cannabis, what, you know, whatever, yeah, like yeah, yeah. whatever it is, like, you're just like, Oh, it's an opportunity to do a thing, get a rep and put myself in a position to, if nothing else, like take another small step forward, but it's money yeah. 2020. So like, yeah. it's not a small, like getting on that stage mm -hmm. is a big fucking deal. Right. Yeah. And sure. if I'm giving you an opportunity to get on it and you know what the subject is and you just know, generally yes. like, shut up. Yes. Just yeah. yes. Shut up. Like as soon as you need that, like, and you can tell I'm, there's a lot of these emails in my inbox right now, but it's like, you have the opportunity to take your brand from here to here. And listeners, I went from low to high. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you and you want me to give you every piece of who's coming on the stage before you, who's coming on the stage after. Shut up and take the opportunity. That just that's it. And I, I feel like people do that in a lot of places in life and end up shooting themselves in the foot. Mm. And maybe mm. it's just because I'm a say yes to shit and figure it out later kind of person, but. Mm. Good God almighty, does it drive me crazy when people won't just take opportunities. Also, it drives me crazy when people overly prep for stuff that's supposed to be genuine. Spontaneous, yeah. You yeah. must hate comms people. <laughs> I love, I absolutely love certain comms people. Yeah. And I am flabbergasted by the decisions of others. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and you wouldn't, probably... I mean, I... Yeah, we can't get into it, but you wouldn't believe, say, yeah. yeah, some of the, so, and some of the brands that you would like think have, like that we think of as having their shit together and you get to know their comms team and you're like, well. Well, um, it doesn't mean the company doesn't have their shit together. It just means no, I think it does team. actually. Like, I really think it does. I think there's a really <laughs> strong correlation between the comms teams and the way that they interact externally and the actual future of the company. Like okay, there's so, a company. So, okay. So on that note, I want to. Bold you, take. Tell me your story too, but I, I I could not agree more with this because like you do the podcast, right? So like, <laughs> Alex and I get pitch stuff, Kristen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like pitches come in a lot. And and there's one category of pitch that I get for the podcast specifically, which is like this like desperation, almost like in tears email that I get saying, can my boss come on your podcast? Can our CEO come on your podcast? And like, I can just tell reading between the lines that the person is like about to get fired because the CEO's ego can't take it if they're not on this podcast and they keep like heaping more and more pressure onto that poor comms person. And like, if I could short those companies, I would like that. That is a million percent agree. Yeah. Million percent agree. I also think that there's this, the other dynamic that's really funny is like comms, comms teams that are of the opinion that they, 
are of the opinion that their brand is not actually what their brand is, right? Like this, like I would say that there's maybe some, um, maybe some large infrastructure providers in the banking space that refer to them as fintech companies that have been alive for a hundred years. Hmm. And you're kind of like, hmm, hmm, I get your branding choice, but no one believes it. Do you believe yeah. it? You know? And mm-hmm. anyway, and then, yeah, there's, there's one, I was actually one of our previous, are you human guests, Eli and I were, um, sitting in San Francisco last week and I told him a very specific story, but I think over the next three years, I will actually be able to tell the story that I told him in public. And I think it will blow people's minds because it's about one specific company that I think people like a lot. And I used to love that I now think will go to not go to zero, but is absolutely not what we all thought it was. Um, and it was a darling for a long time, but now oh, their comms team, I think is fucking that up big time. That's like a, that's like a very like saucy wink behind the curtain i'm i'm interested to ask you off the record who, yeah, who this happy is. to happy to tell you off the record um based on our friendship but like i, I i'm very careful about who i say oh, any yeah, of this course. to but you guys um, i've put in the i've put in the reps to get these stories from zach. like not <laughs> yeah, just anyone you, can ask zach these stories right very true and i'm very i mean i'm you know these relationships are intense and i'm very uh careful about them but there's a certain amount of just like we all got into fintech i think for the improvement of the world Right. Or like, I don't know. I hope that's why we do it. Like, like if you're in finance, maybe not. If you're in banking, maybe not. But like, if you identify as a fintech person, like hopefully you're fucking getting out of bed in the morning to make the world a better place. And I mean, that's such a trope, but I like, I mean, why else are we doing this shit? And you kind of get to this point with some of these comms teams where it's like, are you getting out of bed in the morning caring about, like, they just don't, like, the disconnect for a lot of them is so strong. Like, they don't understand the connection between what they're having a conversation with me about, what that means on the stage, and then how that leads to a change in the world. Like, the, yeah, it's the neck that turns the head of finance. Like, fucking take a moment and think about it. Anyway, yeah, apparently, no. I, you know, I, I have emotions about this. It's a, it's a sore is, spot. It's a, it's a, it's a passionate spot, is what I would say. Is like, yeah, well, it's, and, and you're right, because like the best comms people are amazing. Like yeah. the best comms people are like, I rely on them so True. much. So like, yeah. good comms people are like worth their weight in gold. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, totally. shout out, like super random, but like shout out to the Plaid team. They're amazing. Great I, I love team. their comms team so much. Um, and you know, there's a lot of other wonderful ones I work with, but I would say that like. The, the Plaid comms team is amazing. And then there's a lot of like smaller outsourced comms teams that are wonderful to work with. Like shout oh. out to Meg, Meg Stinson from Command. She's awesome. There's some really great people, Emily Gerber. Um, but there's for every one of them, and like Emily Gerber, right? She owns Six Eastern. She writes a newsletter. Like she's an actual like thought leader in the space and is great at what she does. It's just like when these companies get too big, which I think people think like, uh, whoops, um, people think Plaid is that, but it's they've figured out a way to build a culture where it's not that, you know, and it's yeah. actually like kind and positive and good. Anyway, yeah. shout out to them. All I right. don't spend too much time on this shit. Moving <laughs> on. We are, I think, over 90 minutes in. I think it is uh, time for our final question, which you you do know, but I think it's really an important one that we still ask you, which is, what is it all about and why are we here? Have fun. Leave it as an overly generic thing better than you found it. And on a daily basis, try to make somebody else laugh. That was wholesome. Rules, rules for living. It was like whole milk. Mm-hmm. Whole milk wholesome. 
<laughs> no, I'm vegan at the end of this. Are no, you? No, no, I'm fucking kidding. Of course not. Uh, I'm not vegan. What are you talking about? Kansas City. You can't be. That's not allowed. Can't be a vegan you. in Kansas City. Thank yeah. you for making me laugh, right? As we why did we close this down? Alex, thank you so much for joining me as co-host. Zach, it was me. such a pleasure to have you on the show today. And uh thank you everyone for listening. We'll uh we'll see you soon and at Money 2020 in just a few weeks. Thank you guys. That was thank you. Wild. Thanks for listening. If you're still listening, you're probably reaching for your phone to pick your next podcast or switch to music or just call it a day because you can't believe how much valuable information you just took in. But before you pick that next thing, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, and all that jazz. Generally scream from the rafters about how much you love FinTech Family Hour. Thank you again to our sponsor, FS Vector. And until next time, stay healthy, keep your head high, your costs low, and I love you all. <laughs>